Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, welcome to your Hollywood crime scene mini episode. Hello. What's up, Desi? You know, just getting through the week. <laughs> Good. That's great. Well, this week for a mini episode, since we briefly touched on one of the most legendary Hollywood feuds of all time, Joan Crawford versus Betty Davis, I decided let's delve a little more into that, as well as talk about some other old Hollywood feuds. So for those of you who are unaware Unless, I mean, maybe you didn't even listen to our saga. Yeah. Our Joan Crawford, Mommy Dearest saga from the past three weeks. Yeah. Betty Davis and Joan Crawford were in a decades-long feud with each other. Absolutely. As dramatized by Ryan Murphy in 2017 in Feud. Yes. So the legendary feud between the two actresses is said to have started over Betty's jealousy that Joan married her crush and former co-star, Francho Tone. Who also married Barbara Payton. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Now, Joan also had a fling with Clark Gable, which made Betty seethe with jealousy because she thought he was hot. I mean, not my type. (laughs) Not my type either. I feel like ultimately what this boils down to is Betty Davis is considered to be the real talented actress and Joan Crawford was considered the more beauty. Yes. Right? Even though I think Betty Davis is, I love her look and all that. But I feel like that's definitely what it was. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and then Joan wanted to be known as a good actress and Betty wanted to be hot. Classic. (laughs) Right. I mean, that was all, that was definitely the narrative in Hollywood was that Joan was like the glamorous movie star and Betty Davis had the real acting chops. Yeah. Joan wanted to be taken seriously. Yeah. Like Betty was. Even though Joan won an Oscar and was nominated. She had a fine career. Yeah. There was really no reason to be jealous. (laughs) Seriously. Now, Out of the two of them, Joan was by far the most promiscuous. She had a reputation for fucking a lot of people in Hollywood. And Betty said of Joan, quote, she has slept with every male star at MGM except Lassie. And who knows? (laughs) Now, this is one of my favorite quotes. If If I were Betty, I would have just gone for it and said she has slept with every male star at MGM, including Lassie. Right. That would have been a sick burn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty good burn either way, but I agree. I feel like in the more modern times, she might have been more comfortable saying Joan fucked a dog. (laughs) (laughs) She has good ones. Betty Davis is hilarious. You do not want to get in her crosshairs. Yeah. I mean, her her late career is basically her being hilarious on talk shows. Yes. Yeah. She's funny. She's fucking brutal. Yeah. I watched a lot of interviews with her like on Phil Donahue, on whatever, on all these old talk shows, and she is just fucking... I mean, to be honest, that is where I first knew her from, like maybe on Johnny Carson or something, like seeing her when she was really old with like big hats on. And had a stroke. Yeah, on like sitting there smoking. Like that's thing I think where I first knew her from and I loved her and then I think I watched her movies 
that's like my memory of it. There, these are all like from the eighties. All yeah. of these interviews, and like there is an interview with her on Larry King from like nineteen eighty seven. So like two years before she died, right? And she's wearing the most fabulous like black and white suit with a hat, and she's smoking, and she looks like the crypt keeper. Yeah, she looked so old for like the last twenty yeah. years of her life or something. Like, like she got really thin. Yes. And that like is not really a great combo when you're older, like to be super thin like that. It, it just looks not great. Well, like it just she just looked like she was on her deathbed. Yeah. But that's definitely where I knew her from, like those eighties talk show appearances. Yeah. And uh yeah, I mean she's she was great. hilarious because yeah. you couldn't believe that this woman who looked like she was on death's door, but she was dressed to the nines and just back and forth. Really smart and really, whip smart still. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Now, there were rumors that Joan Crawford was bisexual. In fact, in 2010, Christina Crawford told Joy Behar in an interview that she does believe her mom was bisexual. She's like, yeah, my mom was bi. Yeah. She had re- I know she had relationships with women. That's not just Well, she rumor. talks about it in the book. Right? Her coming on to the um, secretary or... Yes, yes. Now, Joan was rumored to have slept with Barbara Stanwyck, Greta Garbo, and Marilyn Monroe. Ooh. That's a hot combo. Seriously. Really. Yeah. It's also speculated that Joan was at one point attracted to Betty Davis, but Betty, who is rigidly heterosexual, rejected her. (laughs) That's like my new bio. Rigidly hetero? Rigidly hetero. (laughs) Sorry. Like, much to my dismay. (laughs) I'm rigidly at a row. That's my disco album. (laughs) Now, according to Joan's friend, Jerry Asher, Joan said this. Francho isn't interested in Betty, but I wouldn't mind giving her a poke if I was in the right mood. Ooh, a poke. (laughs) The funny thing to me about Joan Crawford being so sexually free seemingly yeah is that she was so rigid in other areas of her life yeah that's interesting it just doesn't you'd think like oh she'd also be uptight in sexual manners like she wouldn't fuck so many people there's what the hell it's like fourth of july here dude there someone is lighting okay (laughs) well that's true (laughs) it's very extreme (laughs) someone's lighting off fireworks like Outside your window. Outside my window right now. That was exciting. That was really exciting. Uh, no, I think that's really interesting. And I wonder what's that, what, that's, what that's about. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because usually they go hand in hand. Right. But I think a lot of it is secrecy. She presented something and then secretly she wanted to get fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And she was so probably, it was a release probably. Yeah. She was probably fun in bed and everyone knew it. Everyone was fucking Joan back then. And also there is an element maybe wanting... Like taking a part, taking putting aside the bisexuality, like with men, maybe wanting to get that power. Oh yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, there's another element going on there Absolutely. that was a way for her to get it. Absolutely. So yeah. In uh, 1952, Betty Davis starred in the film The Star, mm-hmm. which was about a drunk actress on the decline. 
and Betty was clearly lampooning Joan in this film. It's a good movie. If you've watched any clips of this movie or you've seen the movie, it's clear who she's (laughs) playing homage to, and it's Joan Crawford. So when she was asked about the film, Joan said, quote, of course I had heard that she was supposed to be playing me, but I didn't believe it. Did you see the picture? It couldn't possibly be me. Betty looked so old and so dreadfully overweight. She's just not as good at at like zingers, in, in my mean. opinion. <laughs> she's, she's just mean. Yeah, she's just mean, which is kind of funny, but not as like cutting as Betty Davis, in my opinion. Yeah. And that could be why I always sided with Betty Davis. I just felt like she was better at being mean. <laughs> you know? Well, the reason I always automatically sided with Betty Davis is because we have the same birthday. Right. And the same eyes. Yeah. Like, I have Betty Davis eyes. Yeah. Like, I have a sleepy look. People think I'm high. Yeah. And I'm not at all. <laughs> so, during the filming of Baby Jane, Joan was have alleged to have worn a weighted belt during the scene where Betty drags her out of bed. Oh, right. Yes. And that they redid this take so many times because Joan had made herself so heavy and she knew that Betty had a bad back. Right. And she would just make herself go like dead weight and have this weighted belt. So Betty would throw her back out. Basically, yeah. yeah. And in 1964, Joan was supposed to star alongside Betty again in Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Right. But after a week of filming, she feigned illness to get out of the job. She's like, I can't fucking do this. And Betty was a, was alleged to have said, quote, I wouldn't piss on Joan Crawford if she were on fire. And that sounds like a line that um, Taffy said to her stepdad in Female Trouble, kind of, right? But it was about cum. Well, she said, I wouldn't suck your dick if I was suffocating and your balls were full of oxygen. Exactly. Yeah. So I like the idea of like... It's a similar... And it's an extreme thing. Yes. And I'm still not giving it to you. <laughs> I'd rather die. <laughs> now, this is what Joan Crawford said about Betty's acting style. Because as we said before, they're... Acting styles were compared. Right. Betty was classically trained. And this is why Joan is not good at being mean, because that's something she really can't criticize. No. (laughs) This is what she said, quote, Miss Davis was always partial to covering up her face in motion pictures. She called it art. Others might call it camouflage, a cover-up for the absence of real beauty. See, that's where she loses it, because she wanted to be known as a serious actress, but then she's critical of someone's looks. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. And one of the most famous quotes attributed to Betty Davis is reported to have been said when Joan Crawford died in 1977. <laughs> now, there is no, like, I can't verify this quote, but it's pretty famously attributed to her. Oh, right. She, Betty Davis allegedly said, you should never say bad things about the dead. You should only say good. Joan Crawford is dead. Good. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like Betty Davis. Absolutely. And she ultimately, you, the thing is, when you live longer, you win. Because <laughs> then you get to have years of still bad mouthing the person But they can't dead. say anything back. Yeah. Right. That's the real tragedy there. <laughs> Although Betty was always superior I think, in the verbal back and forth. Yes, yeah. she was way better at sparring But verbally. once she was gone, like, I completely buy she said that. It, says, it sounds exactly like something she would say. Well, the funny thing is we were talking earlier about how Betty Davis spent all of the 80s just doing talk shows. Yeah. That's, like, all she did throughout the 80s. 
And I watched several different interviews of her on various talk shows throughout that decade. And she really had a script that she stuck to throughout the years. I mean, it was literally she said the same thing to every single host. And that was her monologue about why she was still so fucking pissed off that Joan Crawford campaigned against her for the Oscars. And she said, I mean, she used the same words. And she said, like, she was mad about that till the day she died. Absolutely. And she wanted everyone to know she was mad about it. That was the one time Joan won. Yes. And Betty should have known better than to give her the satisfaction. Oh, yeah. I think. Right. That was where that Joan won that round. Yeah. So she did go on and, you know, bitch about that for a long time. Now, this is interesting. This is a quote from Betty Davis on Mommy Dearest, the book. She said, quote, I was not Miss Crawford's biggest fan, but wisecracks to the contrary, I did and still do respect her talent. What she did, what she did not deserve was that detestable book written by her daughter. I've forgotten the name. Horrible. Well, and she has an ulterior motive here. (laughs) Let's talk about this now. She went on to say in the same quote, that she felt, quote, felt sorry for Joan Crawford, but I knew she wouldn't appreciate my pity because that's the last thing she would have wanted, anyone being sorry for her, especially me. I can understand how hurt Miss Crawford had to be. Well, no, I can't. It's like trying to imagine how I would feel if my own beloved wonderful daughter, B.D., were to write a bad book about me. Unimaginable. But in 1984... But in 1985, Betty Davis's daughter would go on to publish her own tell-all about her mother called My Mother's Keeper, which portrays Betty Davis as an emotionally abusive alcoholic. I mean, I buy it. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little short version of their feud, of the Joan and Betty Davis feud. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates, go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. William Frawley and Vivian Vance. Oh. You know these people. I do. Fred and Ethel Mertz. <laughs> That's how I know them. Yeah. I mean, I know the, the actor and yeah. actress's name, but I really, I mean, I, I, he's Fred Mertz. Absolutely. They are of I Love Lucy fame, and apparently they hated each other. By the way, Fred is my favorite character he's on the, I Love Lucy. He's, he's the best one on that show. He's the only, he makes it bearable. Otherwise, I would never be able to watch it. What? You yeah. didn't like I Love Lucy? No, I do not what? like I Love Lucy. <laughs> This is news to me. You think that's a good show? <laughs> Desi, I watched that show religiously on Nick at Night when Look, I was a kid. I watched it because when we were growing up, there was like nothing. You had to watch old shows like that. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, it's not a favorite of mine. But oh I do God. love Fred. I love Fred. I fucking love the whole show. I think it's brilliant. And I mean, I know it's a cliche to be like, oh, I'm like a woman funny lady. And I like, I love Lucy. Lucy right. Ball, blah, 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 blah. But she's a fucking brilliant comedic actress. Like, you have to give her that. I love Fred. Okay. <laughs> Whatever, Debbie. <laughs> Fuck you. I can't believe it. You're dissing your, like, another redhead. You're throwing another redhead <laughs> under the bus, Desi. I'm not throwing her under a bus. She has lots of fans. I could never take that away from her. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> so William Frawley played Fred Mertz, who was the curmudgeonly landlord slash best friend of Lucy and Desi. Right. And his wife on the show was, uh, <laughs> was Ethel Mertz, <laughs> played by Vivian Vance. And... <laughs> Fred, I mean, William Frawley, the, the, the actor's name, he already had a reputation in Hollywood for being a dick <laughs> and an alcoholic. Love it. So much like his character, but the character wasn't an alcoholic, but he was... He's low-key an alcoholic. No, I'm just he's, like, he's just an asshole. He's an asshole right. on the show. He's cranky. Uh, in 1928, he reportedly punched actor Clifton Webb in the face wow. while they were acting together. Uh, on the Broadway show, That's My Baby. 
Wow. So this goes back like far, like to his he early He has a days. long-term assholeism. Yeah. Yeah. And like he was like a long-term working actor. He had done like a hundred yeah. films. He's one of those people you see in old movies, like just randomly pop up. Like It's a Wonderful Life. Is he in that one? Yeah. He's, he's like, he says something to George Bailey. He's like, hey, get out of the road. Right. He he's does- always in those kind of ro- roles, like very small, <laughs> yeah. but you, like, you'll just see him pop up. Yeah. Yeah. He does something that's like very Fred Mertz. Yeah. I don't remember it, but yeah. Um, so he was a working actor, but he was never a star until I Love Lucy. Right. Like he, and he was in his 60s. He was old, but honestly, if you had told me he was 45, I would believe it. Because <laughs> people are so old looking back then. Oh, I know. Do you know. know what I mean? Like, totally. Yeah, but he was legitimately. He was actually older. Older, yeah. Older. He looked his age. Yeah. On the show. Uh, so <laughs> Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz were already aware of William Frawley's reputation. So Desi warned Frawley that he better not screw this up. Ooh. He's like, you got three chances. Yeah. Don't fuck it up. But on the first day of filming the show, William Frawley overheard his TV wife, Vivian Vance, shit talk him and their feud began. The very first day of filming. She reportedly said to Lucy and Desi, quote, I can't play his wife. No one will believe I'm married to that old coot. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty. uh, She is much younger, right? She was 22 years younger than actor William Frawley and she's supposed to be playing his wife. So when I was a kid watching the show, I always assumed that Ethel was the same age as him. And I just thought, Oh, those are Desi and Ricky's. Those are their friends, but they're also like 15 years older than them. Right. Or 20 years yeah. older. I thought they were like their old people friends. Well, Cause they kind of styled her a little bit more dowdy. Dowdy. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is Vivian Vance was younger than Lucy. Oh, really? In real life. I mean, they look the same age to me. Right. Like, yeah. I just, yeah, I just thought of like, oh, Ethel and Fred, they're the, they're older than Lucy and Ricky. Right. But despite their hatred for each other off screen, the duo managed to remain professional on set. But it is alleged that when William Frawley died at age 79 of a heart attack, Vivian Vance said, quote, champagne for everyone. Wow. That's cold. Yeah. That is. Okay, let's talk about Betty Davis and Tallulah Bankhead. Ooh. Now, we've done a mini... Ep- no, we did a bonus episode. We did a bonus, A right. long time ago when we first started the show on Tallulah Bankhead. Yes. And if you haven't heard our bonus episode about Tallulah Bankhead, go listen to it. Yeah, it's a good that one. That was a good one. Now, this was a rivalry that began as Betty Davis's star rose in Hollywood and Tallulah seemed to fade. Betty starred in three films in parts that Tallulah had originally played on the stage. Right. So Tallulah thought, oh, they're making a movie version of this. Those roles will go to me Mm because I made those parts famous on the stage. Betty would then go on to win the Oscar for her role as Margot Channing in All About Eve, which is a role that Tallulah was convinced was based on her. Ooh. And it, it, look, it's a very Tallulah yes. role. Yeah. I mean, she is acting like Tallulah. She looks like Tallulah in that part. Right. They've really accentuated her eyes, too, in that role. Yes. So they're really deep set, and Tallulah Bankhead has very deep set eyes like that. Yes. 
So she said of Betty, quote, after all the nice things I've ever said about that hag, when I get a hold of her, <laughs> when I get a hold of her, I'll tear every hair of her mustache. There's something just so brutal about calling another woman a hag. It's awful. <laughs> it's literally like the lowest. Like I would rather be called a cunt than a hag. Same. <laughs> Are you kidding me? A hag. A <laughs> hag is just so awful. That hag. <laughs> Look. If you Tallulah Bankhead gave no fucks. Seriously. I mean She's like one of the only people who can actually say that she gives the no She fucks. was always in trouble with the haze. Yeah. Like she was always she was causing a fucking ruckus all yeah. the time. Love this it. woman. Now apparently Betty appeared on the Ed Sullivan show after Tallulah said that about her. And was offered $10,000 to do an impression of Tallulah, to which she responded, quote, Miss Bankhead isn't well enough known nationally to warrant my imitating her. Ooh. I couldn't find that clip anywhere. They're a good rivalry because they're more evenly matched. Yes. I think. Yes. Yeah. Tallulah has some cutting insults. I would be frightened to be in a fight with either one of those women. Oh, my God. Because, <laughs> first of all, I would want them both to like me. Oh, same. It would be, it would, so it would be li- really upset. My life would be fucking over if yeah. either one of them hated Devastating. me. Devastating, yeah. So this is one I didn't know about, but I can totally see it. It makes total sense. And it's Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> they hated each other. Now, Frank Sinatra was very vocal about his disdain for Marlon Brando's method acting technique. Okay. He referred to Marlon Brando as mumbles. Okay. And he also called him the world's most overrated actor. Wow. He really did not like this guy. And a lot of it probably was jealousy. Right. Well, there's a lot of like, um, I think in the arts, there's a lot of um, insecurity when you're not trained. Where you want to act like, well, I'm just natural and natural is better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like there's some truth to that. Like there is a natural ability some people have. Uh, but I don't know. I think there's very good trained actors too. <laughs> like, I mean, I think it's all valid. And you can be trained and still have a natural talent. Yeah. I mean, like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. I would say. Like there's a bunch of people. So we have Schreiber. Yeah. Uh, miss him. We love him. I, I really miss him. Yeah. Don't you miss Ray Donovan? Of course I do. <laughs> I fucking miss it every day, does he? And then I think like there is some truth to the fact that there's a little too uh, pretentious naturalistic stuff, like mumbling too much. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like there, yeah. there's like a fine line, I think. But I, I like Marlon Brando. I mean, he's great. <laughs> yeah. You can't deny it. I mean, he won the Oscar for On the Waterfront. And he was extremely hot. Yeah. Back in the day. Oh, yeah. Like, extremely hot. Absolutely. So, I mean, Frank Sinatra obviously fucked a lot of women, and he was, I guess, good-looking But he a way. wasn't a bi-icon, does he? And he wasn't really extremely hot. No. <laughs> <laughs> also, who do you think is going to be better in bed? You know it's going to be Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando eats the whole pussy. Yes. Frank Sinatra thinks eating pussy is not masculine. Absolutely. That's my opinion. I agree. I yeah. 100% agree. So, enough said. <laughs> you might get doggy style out of Sinatra. You might. You would get a brutally fast doggy style out of Sinatra, he's, I think. He's shaking a martini while he's doing it. Now, here's what I want to know. Was the fight or the feud two-sided, or I'm, is this just, okay. I'm going to continue. Okay, good. 
When Marlon Brando was cast as the lead in 1955's Guys and Dolls, the movie. Oh, right. Sinatra was fucking pissed that he got the supporting role. (laughs) He wanted the romantic lead. Right. I forgot they were in that together. But Brando got the romantic lead. And Brando asked Sinatra if he would help him with the singing and dancing because that was obviously more Sinatra's strong suit. And Sinatra replied to him that he didn't go for that method acting crap. Ooh. Now, this is a quote I found from Turner Classic Movies website. And it is a quote from supporting actor in the film... Regis Toomey, he said of Frank Sinatra, quote, Sinatra was snotty and very difficult as he really didn't want to do the role. He can be very cruel and disagreeable. Joe Mankiewicz had an awfully hard time on that picture. uh, Also, Turner Classic Movies notes that Frank Sinatra, he didn't want to perform his one ballad, Adelaide, as it was supposed to be performed in a comic style, okay. like a funny way yeah. in character. So he performed it as a romantic. Ugh. So he would be like, see, I'm I'm romantic too. My character's a crooner. Like he, what a baby. He wouldn't do it in character. First of all, those characters are better in that musical, like yeah. Nathan Detroit and Adelaide. Yes. They're funnier. I agree. Yeah. You always want to play the comic relief in a musical. It's such a good musical. Like, all four of those roles are fine. Like, they all have a good song. Like, it's there's, insane. Yeah, they're equally... It, uh, there's nothing wrong with his character that he was cast in. Nathan He's Detroit. not a funny person. That's the thing with him. Do you know what I mean? Like, But I think he thinks he's funny. Yes, but he's like a dick. He is a dick. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he refused to perform it like this. Um, composer Frank Lesser, he was less than pleased with his uh, performance of Sue Me. Oh, right. Uh, And then this is what uh, he reportedly said to him. Frank Sinatra said, well, do it my way or you can fuck off. Ugh. Frank Sinatra is another person I would not want to be on the bad side of. He just seems like really like he'll want to ruin you. Yes. Yeah. Like he seems like if you piss him off, he will make your life hell. Yeah. I don't want to be on his bed. He'll say something that hurts so bad. Right. You'll never forget it. Don't want to be on that guy's bad side. In 1959, Sinatra told Newsweek, quote, I wanted to play Masterson. I mean, nothing disparaging about Marlon Brando, but Masterson didn't fit him and he knew it. I mean, he's not 100% wrong, but I don't necessarily think he should have been him. (laughs) He's still holding a grudge over this. Yeah. Like four years later. Insane. This is what Marlon Brando said of Sinatra. Frank is the kind of guy, when he dies, he's going to heaven and give God a bad time for making him bald. Wow. (laughs) That's a really good, that's a really good disc because it does seem like off the cuff. Yes. (laughs) And again, Turner Classic Movie, they had a great breakdown of this whole thing. Um, Frank Sinatra, again, he hated this idea of having to like redo a take and redo a take. Like oh, Brand- God. Because Brando wanted to really 
find something different in each take because he was a right. method actor. And Frank Sinatra really believed in the spontaneity of it. And he's like, we right. did it. That was perfect. He just wanted to do one take all the time. He said, quote, I don't buy this take and retake jazz. The key to good acting on screen is spontaneity. And there's something you lose a little with each take. Ugh. Now, <laughs> Marlon Brando knew this, obviously, about Frank Sinatra. So he decided to troll him during yeah. filming and they would do a scene together and it would be utterly flawless until the last line that Marlon Brando would purposely fuck up. Ooh. So they'd have to reshoot the scene. <laughs> <laughs> they'd do this perfect scene and then he would fuck up the last line on Beautiful. purpose. Yeah. And that was, in particular, there was one scene where Frank Sinatra had to eat cheesecake in the scene. Oh, so Brando purposely fucked up that scene eight different times. So Frank had to keep eating cheesecake? He had to eat eight different pieces of cheesecake because wow. they kept bringing him more cheesecake. And he's not grateful? <laughs> Sounds fine to me. This is a quote from Frank Sinatra uh, after he threw his plate to the ground Ooh. after the eighth take. He threw his plate to the ground. He jammed his fork into the table and he screamed, these fucking New York actors, how much cheesecake do you think I can eat? Look, I have an answer. <laughs> I could eat a lot of cheesecake. I could eat some right now. I always think of cheesecake. I do too. I always think of it when I don't have it. I want it when it's really cold. It's so good. Did you see that iconic woman who took the cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory? Absolutely. I love a her. Hero. A hero. I loved watching her walk down the street with that cheesecake. And the news reporter, she didn't snitch on her. She was like... A cheesecake factory just got looted. A woman seen here is walking out of the cheesecake or walking out of the cheesecake factory holding a cheesecake. No idea where she got the cheesecake. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? That's she, like me if I ever looted. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to get some cheesecake. I would walk out with a whole <laughs> cheesecake. I'm good. Just this one thing. She's amazing. <laughs> love it. We love her. Uh, do you have any movie TV podcast recommendations? Um... Oh my God, time is like a flat circle or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know what day it is or Same. when is up or when is down. I did, I do have one show that I started. Okay, I have two things. I started watching Homeland and I'm already on up season four in like oh, less than a week. Jesus, Desi. Seriously, I've been staying up really late because I can't fall asleep early. Uh, and then, yeah, so I really like. At the very least, I really like the first three seasons. And then there's like a shift because something happens. And it, I mean, it's still good. So I recommend checking that out. Um, I did rent the movie Capone, or I guess I bought a ticket for it because it's like a movie that should be released now. So you have to pay more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like nine ninety nine or something. Right. It is honestly, and I have to say, I have like a little bit of an awkward moment because I was like, I'm watching Capone. And someone who I know who is in it <gasps> tweeted at me and they're like, you're in for a big surprise. Oh. And then I was like, uh-oh. And then I hate the movie. Oh, it's no. literally the most boring movie I've ever seen. Oh my God. Like I can't finish it. Desi. I watched like 20 minutes of it. Did you tell him was the surprise crap? No, I couldn't tell him. And now I can't even dunk on it because I'm like, oh, he's going to see me dunk on it. And I don't want him to feel bad. <laughs> but it's like... It's such a bad movie. Like, oh. it's not even like 
gaudy bad where you can enjoy it. It's just boring. Right. Which is weird because it's like, how do you make this movie boring? So I didn't have like expectations of it where I was like, this is going to be the best movie ever made. But I did think it would be like enjoyable because I like gangster or mob type stuff yeah. in general. So uh, yeah, but it's fucking painful. It's painfully boring. And I like Tom Hardy. He's like, I love plays him. Capone. Um, there's oh, like right. a scene where he shits the bed Ew, that I, I saw. That's not acceptable. It is really graphic. Wait, what? <laughs> What? Because it's like the last year of his life and he's like end stage syphilis. How is And it- his wife comes, his wife is played by Linda Cardellini. This is like the only scene I'm recommending. His <laughs> wife comes into the bedroom and she's like, oh, it smells like shit in here. <laughs> and she pulls the blanket off of him and there's brown shit smeared all over the sheets. And she's like, she's like, you shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not even like, it's only funny when I'm telling it, but when I was watching it, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's like disturbing to see shit all over the bed. Like it was to the point where I was like, like, do you know how you kind of gag? Yeah. When you, when when shit hits, (laughs) when that shit hits your scent and you know, you have to clean it up. Like there, there's something about cleaning up shit that really gets me. Yes, Debbie. <laughs> All those times you shit the bed. Something. No, but like if you've had to clean up a diaper or like yes. when it's beyond just the diaper where it's all over their clothes yeah. or like a, the cat shit in your carpet, like something yeah. where you have to really clean it up and it's just like unbearable. Right. You're like, I'm throwing everything out. I can't deal with this. Totally. So watching her have to deal with it was like too much for me Did to bear. Did they show her have to deal with Well, she like lifts him up out of it. Oh. It's just like a lot. So it's like one of those movies where like we get it you're trying to be an art film you're trying to be real but it's like it's too real <laughs> no one wants to watch this like you could have just told us he shit the bed we didn't have to see the brown shit smeared everywhere because <laughs> it's like you can't help but be like well how what's she gonna do now change all the bedding throw the mattress out <laughs> like what do you do right uh but other than that it's just boring like That's i can't I'm sorry. So it's not, it's a hard not recommend for me. Wow. But I would be curious to know if you like it and why, uh, I guess. I'm not really that curious, actually. Never mind. Don't dat me. (laughs) So that's, that's my recommends and not recommends. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Well, I watched a movie that I had been wanting to see for literally 20 years, but I just never got around to seeing, and that's 8mm with Nicolas Cage. Oh. I honestly don't... I might have seen that, but I can't remember. I really liked it. It was extremely, like, exactly my kind of movie. Okay. It's really twisted and really dark and fucked up and might depress you, but it's very exciting and suspenseful. And cool. Nicolas Cage, I love him so much. I'll watch anything that he does. So I recommend it. Oh, and fucking uh, Tony Soprano's in it. James Gandolfini. Yes, James Gandolfini. Oh, cool. He is in it. 
Joaquin Phoenix is in it. It's like pretty star studded. Yeah, I do think I've seen it. But uh, Norman Reedus has a very small ooh, part in it, yeah. and we love him. He's nice. very hot, very hot, very sexy. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like fifty, and he's still very sexy. You can be sexy at fifty. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, what else? Oh, I started watching Married at First Sight. Have you seen it? Is that a reality show? It is. Okay, no. It's kind of like like Love Is Blind clearly tried to rip off Married at First Sight. Okay. But the rules are slightly different. Like these people don't even talk to each other before they get married. They don't know anything about each other. They literally get matched up by matchmakers. Like they apply for the show and then quote unquote professional matchmakers match them up together. And then the literally the first time talking to meeting, knowing their name is at the altar. Oh. Hmm. And then it's like, the experiment of, okay, you guys are legally married. Now you have to live together and like do these dumb activities set up by the show together. Ugh. And there's this one couple on the season that I'm watching. I'm watching, it's the ninth season and it's on Netflix. It's available on Netflix. And there's this one couple and the guy is like budget pit bull. Like that's what he looks like. Oh. And then the, and then the woman is this like insane redhead woman and this couple, they just fucking hate each other. Like, Ooh. he already called her a cunt. <gasps> and um, and she's, like, had a meltdown, and she'd had to do... She was, like, doing this moon ritual with him to, like, cleanse their apartment. Oh, boy. He was not into this at all. They are a mess. I love watching this couple so much. Um, yeah. I highly recommend, if you like messy human beings and <laughs> reality shows, this show is for you. Um the other couple that's interesting is like this uh this this girl who's like five two and really into sports and her husband who's also really into sports, but he's like six foot nine and he's like a basketball player. Okay. They're they're messy. Wow. They're pretty messy. I mean, to do this show, I'm thinking you lean messy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like this is the uh, this is the same way I felt about Love is Blind. Like I these shows are fucking insane to me. Like you have to be demented to do something like this. Yeah. I don't know. Like I think lately I'm just not in the mood for this type of show. Really? I don't know why. It's just too irritating to me. Like yeah. there's something like I, I, I think I will go in and out with reality TV. Right. Like sometimes I'm just too like irritated by it all. Right. Or like what it says about society. <laughs> And then sometimes I'll get really into it. Right. I don't know. Like, it's just my mood. Because I obviously have watched a lot of reality TV and enjoy it mostly. Right. But it's like not something I crave watching right now for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. No, I, I do. I, have, I am behind on a lot of shows I do like. Um, but I just am like not. It's not something I think of watching. But I did watch like 40 episodes of all that. Like, I don't know why. Because it seems like that would not be something I want to watch right now. Yeah. Because it's really intense. I don't right. know. Right. Right. But I kind of would like to maybe watch some reality TV, but I'm behind on so many of the shows I do I mean, watch. It's stupid. It's like it's great background TV also. Yes. Like if you're watching this in the background of doing something else, like you don't have to look. Is it as I like that kind of show. I do too. Yeah. I mean it's total turn your brain off. I think I do like cooking shows for that now. That's, or like fixer upper shows or something. I've always watched cooking shows those are the background that's the background yeah. of my life uh, the new show i want to watch i haven't watched it yet it's kind of like british bake-off 
but it's with um, flower sculptors. Oh yeah, I heard. I about really want to watch this show. I, I think I might start that next week. Yeah, I don't know. That's the kind of like brainless entertainment I crave right now, like where you're watching something being created. <laughs> I don't know. Like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I heard about that. That looks yeah. interesting. Um, and really, that's it. I mean, there's like. Look, the 90 Day Fiance, before the 90 Day Fiance tell-all happened Oh yeah, this past week. Part two's coming up. I think I said before on our show, I watched 10 hours of unedited leaked footage from the tell-all because I'm insane. Yeah. And it look, this is the greatest 90 Day Fiance tell-all I have ever seen in the history of the really? show because it is zoomed in. Okay. It is Zoom because the tell-all Happens happened quarantine. after quarantine. Everyone's at home and they're drunk and people are a lot braver without being, being together, being together in the same room. Yes. So people are saying some fucked up shit to each mm. other and it is high entertainment. Okay. I will say that it is high. They drag, they fucking tear big Ed to bits Ooh. and it's great because he deserves that. it. Um, Oh my God. They're like, I think Lisa even calls him like a pedophile or something. I mean like, yeah, like it goes there. Like they're fucking going at each other. It's, it's incredible. 90 day fiance the other way, which is another 90 day spinoff just started. I'm, I'm drowning in 90 day fiance content. And personally, I'm a little concerned because they need to space this shit out. Yeah. Because they're not going to be able to film for a while. What are you guys doing? Space it out. It makes no sense. But maybe they think people are desperate for content. Oh, look, am I happy? Yes, I am happy. <laughs> but they need to... Okay. Anyway, I, <laughs> no one cares. Um, uh, what'd you eat? Um, I don't remember having anything particularly good. Did I? I don't remember. I'm like, I'm like such a... I feel fried tonight. I yeah. feel like I have no memory. I actually like went to Target yesterday and forgot my ATM password. And then I had a, um, they locked my account. And I was like, what happened? Who stole my ATM? And then I went to the bank with my cart left at Target to get cash. Cause I was like, I know I have money in the bank. And I had completely put in the wrong password. Whoa. But a password I had had for like 10 years. Like, this is not. <laughs> changed and I completely fucked up the password in my head and I was like sitting in the bank and I was like I like did the wrong order of numbers because I literally like forgot my password right that's how like fried I am I think I didn't realize it till that moment it was like the nightmare target trip because I felt like so stupid I'm like I have like so much money in my bank account like oh do you know what I mean (laughs) I had to drive to the bank and get cash and then drive back to target and there's a huge line to get in and I was like can I just go in and pay for my groceries please and I bought cocoa pebbles oh that was my exciting thing that Rachel mocked me I did buy cocoa pebbles at target and then the box is gone I knew it I knew it I knew it I told Desi when she tweeted that she was eating (laughs) I I stress let me finish I told Desi that when she was Tweeted that she was eating a box of Cocoa Pebbles. I said, I don't want to hear it on Thursday night when you come over. I don't want to hear it that you finish that box and you feel ashamed of yourself. I'm not ashamed. (laughs) Honestly, a little bit jealous. I'm going to be honest. It's a really good cereal. (laughs) I get so stressed from that Target trip because it's like already hard enough dealing with like the way stores run now target to Tina. have like target to, Tina. It's not target's fault. It's my fault, but it's like to have one thing go wrong. It's already a frustrating experience to go I'm, to the no, store. Desi, I'm saying you're target Tina. Yes. You're, 
<laughs> I am, but I'm not blaming Target. I'm the idiot. <laughs> I'm the idiot who forgot her password. So embarrassing. Aww. Sitting at the bank, like in the chair, like I'm in the fucking principal's office. <laughs> and he's like, just so you know, we normally have to get an appointment. And I was like, I know, but I didn't know. <laughs> I was like so aggrieved. I was like, please, I'm pathetic. I'm not even angry. I just want my cocoa pebble. Please tell me my password. I'm a hundred, apparently. <laughs> uh yeah. So Yeah. Uh what did I eat? I just had some Thai food from one of my local Thai places. It's I live so hot to eat, like in a way. Well, mm. I really I just spicy food is good in yes. warm warm weather. Yeah. I mean there's a science behind it. Absolutely. There's a science behind it. So I had uh, some sneaky pork. <laughs> First of all, greatest name for a dish ever. And I'll tell you why it's called sneaky pork. Okay. At this particular restaurant, Hoi Ka. Uh-huh. Because it sneaks up on you. Ooh. It's spicy. It has a top note of spicy, but also a base note that comes in right. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that. Yeah, I like that too. And like I am someone, I do fuck with Thai spicy. Me too. I do too. I it really depends on my mood. No, I've I've I need like hot and spicy food. I want to always spicy, but not always Thai spicy. Right, right, yeah. right. I understand that. Yeah, but this I like. I mean, it's look, it's a really good dish. It comes on a bed of steamed morning glory. I like that sneaky pork. It's so it's good. really good. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I have for dinner tonight, and I'm very because I don't want to do dishes. No way. It's too hot. It's no. too hot to do anything. It's too hot to cook. It's too hot to remember your PIN number. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's a miracle we have uh, were able to get any work done on the show. Literally, the only thing I've been doing for the past two weeks besides reading and writing for this show has been like protesting, eating, protesting, yeah. eating, marching, eating. Like, that's it. Yeah. There's hanging out with my cat. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, so Cool. All right. Is there any final thoughts? What am I, Jerry Springer? You know what? I, I, think, I, think, I think we could do with how ha- We could have a final thought. I like that about Jerry. I would Jerry's love to see show. a super cut of Jerry's final thoughts. I would too. I do love when he did those final co- thoughts after like, the most insane show. Because he would try ever. and legitimize what we just saw. Yeah. Give you like a little like something to think about. He'd remind you like <laughs> I used to be a respected it's, journalist. Yeah, and it's like there's a little humanity behind what we just saw. <laughs> and I recognize it. There's a deeper meaning to that cat fight. <laughs> Did she have sex for cheeseburgers? Yes, but is that a statement on capitalism? Also, yes. It's just like <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Hi, Jerry. Come on the show. You know what? I would love to have Jerry on the pod. <laughs> Me too. Great. He's seen some shit. He would be shit. fun. He I would think. be fun. Okay. Jerry, come on the pod. You're not, you're not too good for us. <laughs> you're a friend of the pod. Come on, Jerry. Is he a friend of the pod? I have no idea. Are that up? <laughs> Does he listen I to the I feel like show? if he heard, he would be a friend. I feel like he'd do it after so quarantine, too. though. Okay. Absolutely. All right. We'll get in touch with your people, Jerry. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>